Because we live in a Puritan police state, we are obliged to inform you that we may sometimes use explicit language. Now that you've been informed, <laughs> things are about to get weird. Welcome to what I had heard was, I am Jennifer. Uh, and I'm Anna. And I'm Diane. And today we are going to talk about David Berkowitz, or Son of Sam, or the 44 caliber killer. Yeah, that's a tongue twister. There are several other names that he gave himself as well. Kind of like a rapper. Kim keeps going, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. Does he have any uh, social media type claim to fames or um, pop culture type stuff uh, like uh, Gacy with his clown paintings, you know, things that people auction off? Uh, actually, no, there's the Son of Sam Law. Yeah, I've never heard of that the inspiration for the son of Sam law, which basically means that criminals can't profit off of their own crimes by selling their stories, you know, writing books, those types of things. Man, that sucks for him. I mean, it makes sense. You run out of money, you go do something terrible, and then write a book about it. Right. That encourages unlawful behavior. That seems fair. That's so interesting because I saw when I was looking up stuff about him, I saw that he created his own website and there's a disclaimer that says he cannot, he does not profit off of this website. You know, none of the proceeds go to him. It just goes to maintaining this website or whatever. Oh, well, that's why that, that disclaimer's there then. Yeah. That's so interesting. It's a ridiculous website though. Tell me more about this website. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about what he did first? What I what we heard that he did, and then we'll talk about the website. Sure. Uh, David Berkowitz was in Brooklyn, New York, in the seventies, and he essentially was getting into satanic rituals and things, um, which led him to the murdering of six different people while he was in his early like 20s and they were just random people all around New York City. He killed them with a 44 caliber which is why he was given that nickname while they were trying to figure out who it was. There was there was another person wounded as well but that person survived and he's since been caught and sent to prison and turned into someone who believes that God has saved him and still maintains that Satan told him to do all of these things. He was called the son of Sam because that was his like little signature. I can't remember where they found it, but um, a couple of times he put this little like son of Sam signature on his killing. Like he etched them into people or like dropped a note? More like a um, note. Yeah. That it was a different that. time, too. New York was riddled with crime, so people being shot wasn't surprising at all. So it took a little while for them to link them all together. And the, really, the only reason they were able to link them was the caliber of the gun. Did he do anything else, like uh, dismember anybody or, you know, like any sort of chicken sacrifices or any other satanic type of things? Or Not as far as crimes go. He may or may not have killed dogs but aside from that he just ran up shot people and ran away 
I feel like he's gotten a lot of uh, press and a lot of movies and, you know, a lot of pub- publicity about this stuff, considering that it seems to be a pretty straightforward kind of thing compared to a lot of the other stuff that we talk about on this on our podcasts. Right, and I think a lot of that is covered under this new documentary they put up on Netflix. It's obviously going to be biased one way or another. And when I went to look up the whole aspect of the cults and this is what led him to do this and Maury Terry's investigation, which is incredibly interesting, but I wanted something to back that up. And it's very hard to find as opposed to just like, oh, look, we caught the son of Sam, David Berkowitz. Look at David. Yeah, I know he doesn't match those descriptions. Look, look, but look at him. You know, he's mad and he's angry. And he was mad and he was angry. And he was participating in satanic rituals. And he admitted, yeah, I did it. I believe he said right off the bat, though, that, you know, there were other sons. So there's more people doing what he was doing. And speculation that he wasn't doing what he was doing. That everything that he was credited with was not him. Ah, uh There was a group of people, I think three or four people, and they were the ones committing these murders. So I don't know. Who knows if that's true or not? I obviously didn't read the files. So that he was. So if he was doing some satanic stuff, that he was probably part of a cult, mm-hmm. part of a group of people, and you know, uh, this was maybe like an initiation or something, or you know, kind of like uh, you do with gangs. You got to do go and do something horrible to prove your commitment. I don't even remember what the reasoning was, yeah, to why they did it. But, I mean, a forty-four caliber bullet is huge. Yeah, that's a big gun. And you suck so bad that most of the people you shoot live. <laughs> what, are you, in, what are you, a stormtrooper? In the fucking com- the little space of a car, and you're shooting into a car. Like, I mean, thankfully they lived. Well, that's either, you know, lack of preparation or nerves. Maybe they were scared. You know, whoever was shooting, you know, is it the intent to shoot or is it the intent to kill? You know, how many shots were fired? This kind of stuff, you know. All of them. Everything it held. Oh, so they just emptied the gun into the car? Right. And still missed? Like, uh, enough that... Not necessarily missed. Like, a couple people got shot in the head. Yeah. um, And they lived, which... Yeah, how do you get shot in the head with a forty-four and live? Like that's impre- like that's impressive. Like you were meant to be around. There's more than one. There's at least two men that I can think of that were in the documentary who were shot in the head and lived. One lost and he lost vision in his left eye. I think mm. he lost his left eye completely and has twenty percent vision in his right eye. And the other guy has a plate in the back of his head. Just to go back to what I had said before, because I was trying to go off of memory of what I had heard, but I actually just checked, and he did leave little notes next to his victims for the police, and he signed them with the son of Sam. But it's also, there was a connection because his neighbor, when he first got out of the Army, he, um, sorry, he was in the Army, (laughs) in his early adult life, and when he got out, he had a neighbor who had a dog and the neighbor's name was Sam and the dog would apparently tell him to commit these crimes because the dog was possessed by the devil 
And so that also is a connection to where the son of Sam came from, according, allegedly, according to David Brookwood. So I recently just found out about a movie that's been out for quite some time. It's a Ryan Reynolds movie called The Voices, where dogs and cats talk to him and tell him to kill people, and then he chops their heads off and, like, keeps them in the freezers or something like that. Um, it's kind of a comedy, um, but I feel like that ties in. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the, maybe it came from here. Yeah, that's probably the inspiration of, you know, the dog told you to do it, really? Like, I would really expect something like that from a cat, because cats are a lot more, like, <laughs> assholes than dogs right. are. But if he goes and robs a peanut butter store, then maybe it was the dog. Right. <laughs> I want to know where there is a peanut butter store. I would like to go. <laughs> right. Oh, no, right. Like everything peanut butter, peanut butter related. Because there's so much good stuff. You, you've had peanut butter chicken, right? Like at the Chinese buffet. Oh, hell yeah. That shit is Ooh. amazing. But he, he's since changed his story and said that the dog thing was like a hoax. <gasps> what? And Man, yeah, that was like yeah. my favorite part of this so far. Yeah. Well, okay, so then circling back to what we were talking about before with the website, he when he was incarcerated, he got six life sentences. And while he's been in jail, he said he found God and has now repented for all of his sins and has written lots of like this is my tale. Here's everything that happened. I'm so sorry for all of this. I'm incredibly um, full of shit. Yeah. It is, um, it is quite something, Anna. It is... It, it gives me a lot of feelings. <laughs> what kind of feelings, Diane? Uh, well, like Jennifer said, it makes me feel like he's full of shit. Um... So one of the sections of the website is like his apology letter. Um, but it just feels so insincere. It's like, oh, I have to do this. Right. Nobody's going to buy my other bullshit unless I do good on this bullshit. Right. Um, well, maybe since he's incarcerated, like, you know, he's got you know, cockroaches or pigeons talking to him now and they're not as eloquent as the... Cats and dogs. There's a second section where he, like, tells his whole story of what happened from his point of view. And it is heavily focused on him saying that he felt like there was evil inside him and, you know, that it was cult-focused that that led him to do these things. Um, and then it just sort of skips over what actually happened. And then goes to um you know that he's now found god and god is the reason why he's the person that he is today and then the rest of the website really focuses on um how other people can also find god so i think that it seems like the intention of the website really is to um one tell his story and like not necessarily be like, oh, I'm innocent, but to be like, to gain sympathy or empathy. I don't know if um, Jennifer maybe got the same impression, but then, and two, 
to, to sort of gain followers, right? Yeah, he absolutely just wants attention. He wants to stay relevant. He's full of shit. I'll write him a letter and tell him, so you're full of shit. I think I got some stickers uh, that say that. We can put it on the outside of your letter. Good. There won't be any paper inside. It's just the envelope saying you're full of shit. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Jennifer's a lot more to the point than I am. <laughs> Although I'm not allowed to write to prisoners. We've already discussed this. That's true. We have determined that that's, that, that that's a poor idea. I mean, the claim behind all of this is the analysts say that because he was adopted and then went to seek out his adoptive mother who didn't want him, that he was then angry at women, particularly women with long brown hair, who I guess looked like his mother I don't know um, it seems very like a very a crime that you separate yourself from you're not sitting there watching people die you're not really involved so much in the crime other than running up pulling the trigger and running away like it seems to me that if that was his true motivation one if that was his true motivation he would have had a more hands-on crime. Um, and two, I don't think he's clever enough to come up with all of this on his own. That's so interesting because I had forgotten that I heard that as well. And then when I read his website, he focuses on like how much his parents cared about him. And then when he lost his mother, it was like so hard on him. It's like the total opposite perspective. Well, he, he's always said that his adoptive parents loved him. Yeah, he was mad that his biological mother was not interested in having a relationship with him. Oh, I see. I see. And from what I understand, part of the reason he had so much trouble dealing with his mother's death was nobody even told him that she was sick. She basically just kind of deteriorated from the chemo and then died. I still think things like that are garbage excuses for why people commit horrific crimes. Oh, sure. Uh, uh, just because people go through stuff like that all the time and don't commit horrific crimes, you know? So um, there's obviously something else going on with this dude other than, than these things. Like, they may have been his trigger, but... There's obviously something else that's off with this person. There's zero justification for what he did. And, you know, all of these murderers or rapists or whatever crime you want to come at, if they don't have a true understanding of why they did what they did and the impact, they're not changed. Nothing's going to be different. And it sounds to me like when just going back to our cult episode, like if he was involved in cult behavior, and I don't necessarily want to lump satanic and cult together, but it seems like in this case they are. It's like he needed that feeling of belonging. And now he's just kind of switched from one to another. Like that feeling of belonging maybe got him involved in cults and perhaps uh, was a catalyst for these evil crimes. 
evil, I'm saying with quotation marks, because um, that's how he says it. And then when he goes to jail, he finds God, and now that's his sense of belonging. And that's his angle now. He just switched one cult for another? You know, it's kind of like uh, when people are... Kind of. Yeah, right, absolutely. When people are addicted to things, you know, when they have addicted nature, you know, at first you're... If you're addicted to alcohol or drugs in, you know, in a very, in a harmful way, and then you get yourself clean, but then you become addicted to uh, exercise mm -hmm. right. or, you know, eating or uh, running or reading or, you know, whatever it is that you are now focusing your obsession on. You still haven't fixed the cause of the obsession, you're just transferring it to something that is a little more socially acceptable. Right. Uh, well, I think now might be an excellent time to hear from our sponsor. Reach a higher level of self. Find balance and calm. Become woke. With the teachings of Tate Fromage, your mind and body will meld on a spiritual level like hot, melty cheese. Once you complete our 20-week course, you will become stronger in your sense of purpose and lighter in your pocket. Go to our website to unlock the secrets to eternal happiness at wihhw.com slash Fromage. You are a mere step away from starting a lifelong journey toward the ultimate fondue. The thing with Berkowitz is they said that he was a loner and he didn't have any luck with women. But then I heard through other sources that he actually had a girlfriend and had quite a few friends. So it's like, which story are we believing? Which excuse for this behavior are we going with? Well, if you have him as a friendless incel, I mean, it's much easier to make him out to be this horrible serial killer, right? Right. But if he has a girlfriend and he has friends and, you know, he got messed into this situation and now he pulled the trigger a couple times, well, that's not quite as scary. Or it's even more scary because it's like this person could have been me, you know, because, yeah, I get sad sometimes because you know my mother passed away and but I have friends and I have whatever and at any one point could could that be me to join a satanic cult I feel like most people are confident they wouldn't do that even if they would even if they would well it's it's just it's a lot more relatable like Diane like we had said in previous episodes of you know um, being able to put yourself in a situation disconnect of um, and I think one of the other scary things was the fact of by saying he was alone, it's just this one person who did these acts. We caught this one person. Now everybody is safe and can go back to living your normal lives versus if this was a group thing, we only caught one person, but then there's more people out there like that. So people are still living in fear because a lot of people were scared during this because this was like over the course of a summer, right? It was, of course, a year, about 13 months, I believe. Okay. Um, but... I think it's all about perspective, you know, which way you would interpret it to feel. And that's what's fun about our podcast, right? Uh, what I had heard was we hear all these different things and we can 
take it all in, share with each other. One thing I've noticed, I don't know, more so recently is you try to research one case and there are a hundred different facts for, you know, quote unquote facts. Right. For the same case. And it's not even just like one area. There'll be so many different things. I've listened to podcasts where they go, okay, and this is like the 80s or 90s. They go, oh, well, she was somewhere between 23 and 48. What the fuck is that? Like, it's it's an actual person. She's not dead. Like, they're not trying to date bones. It's a woman. How do you not know that? So just the facts are get so muddled in these cases, and that's what I think turns them into something else, gives them a life of their own. Sure. Th- mm. I mean, that's the that's the quintessential essence of any good fairy tale, any good story in general, is the fact that you have a semblance of truth that you can then embellish upon because it's not a hard-lined, you know, uh, memory that people have. You know, so it's like, oh, well, I heard this, well, I heard that, and da-da-da-da-da. And so then it grows, and it becomes something more than just a police case. It becomes legend. It becomes legendary. It becomes, mm-hmm. um, you know, a story that people use to scare people, other people off from, you know, walking in the streets at night. Yeah. Well, even like Mary Vincent case, I watched several documentaries on that, and the information they gave conflicted with the information that came right out of her mouth on her I Survived episode. So who are you going to believe? I'm going to believe her because she's the one who just said it. Mm. And even then, it all depends on the motives, the story that the documentary folks are trying to tell. You know, right. it's the same with like writing a history book. You know, it's supposed to be a book full of facts about history, but that stuff's written by the winners. You know, that stuff is written by. Uh, a individual human beings, group of human beings who have uh, their own reasoning for writing this stuff and their own uh, agenda. There it is. That's the word I'm looking for. Thanks. Yeah, their yeah. own agenda. You know, and you superimpose this stuff onto your telling of facts. You know, so it's like uh, you're telling a story about you know a guy walking down the street and getting in his car. Okay, depending on who you are, depends on how you describe that person and the manner that they're walking down the street. You know, if this is a, a person who is larger than you, a person who, say, is not dressed as nicely as you are, um, a person who is walking in a manner that is not the same way that you yourself walk, you could easily say, you know, this was a big, scary person. Uh, home, You know, like, you can infer all this stuff, and you think you're giving facts, but you are exposing your bias to the situation of this individual walking down the street and getting into a car. Right. So, which is what happens with, you know, which is why a lot of this stuff is so confusing and conflicting and um, because it is being told by another human being who is imposing their bias, whether it's intentional or not. Have either of you watched his confession or is it available? Or like when he's being interrogated, any of that stuff or is that included in the documentary i have not heard any of it 
I may have heard bits of it, but I haven't heard any substantial portion of it if they have released it. But he pled guilty to everything. Yeah, I'd be interested to see, like, when right after it happened, I'd be interested to see his version versus, you know, what he's saying now. I wonder how much it changed and what his perspective was and, like, yeah, I think that that would be really interesting. Maury Terry did an interview with him, and he was accused of leading Berkowitz, which maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. I haven't seen the entire interview. Um, but I just don't think that Maury Terry can have all of the evidence that he does have and not be onto something. Whether he was able to come full circle with it in his lifetime or not, you know, he has... He has information there. And he isn't the only person who thinks that there are more killers that were involved in this, more shooters. Like other police or other people who worked on the case? There are investigators, there's other journalists. Um, there are victims. There are witnesses who say, absolutely, that's not who I saw. Wow. And it's so unfortunate, I think, too, that we are so familiar with him as a person. And I don't know any of the names of the victims. Right. Or, you know, I could look them up, obviously, but, you know, we talk about what we had heard. And I can't remember any of the names of the victims or the people that survived. But his name is in infamy, right? Stacy Mouskowitz, I believe her name was. Uh, her mother, and this is only because her mother was something else on the documentary. It's like, you are a great woman. But that's why I remember her name. And prior to watching that, I wouldn't have known any of their names. I yeah. noticed a shift lately that, the, you know, people are recognizing victims' names and the victims' profiles a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I hope that we continue to do that. I was just thinking the same thing uh, that you were saying, Diane, in the movement to give more attention to the victims. Um, much like the uh, Son of Sam law, you know, to not promote popularity and to make the, um, you know, the perpetrators famous, you know, and to not, so not to encourage people to do this stuff for attention and notoriety. Uh, but we have a long history of glorifying perpetrators because it's just more interesting, it's more fascinating, you know, like the Marquis de Sade and, uh, you know, cowboys who would go around and rob people and, you know, shoot up banks and things like that. Like, these are, um, I, they're just more interesting <laughs> people to hear about, to live vicariously through, as opposed to uh, the people who succumb to, you know, the victims, you know. But it's stuff we've talked about before, you know, the idea of, who you relate to in movies and television and, you know, the feeling of wanting to live vicariously and be the person in power and just try to figure out why people are doing this stuff. The police, when they were in their prime of searching for him, they were spending $90,000 a day on their investigation to find him. And they had 75 full-time detectives and 225 patrolmen working the case. Uh, 
85% of the task force worked at night so that they could be working when he was out there shooting people. And their hotline received over 200 calls a day. It was titled Operation Omega, and all of that information comes from the Smithsonian Channel. Well, the whole city was terrified. You know, I mean, people weren't going out at night. Uh, it's like the night stalker. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people just stayed in at night. Uh, women didn't go out alone by themselves. Um, since he was going after people with long brown hair, you know, ladies were chopping their hair off, you know, like cutting their hair short, dyeing it blonde, other colors, you know, just right. so they didn't fit this profile. And, you know, socially, people were super scared. But I'm sure, you know, economically, you know, New York City is the city that never sleeps. So, you know, if you have a huge decline in people going out at night, I mean, that'll have an impact as well. Murderpedia doesn't have much about him. He was sentenced to six life sentences in prison. He was sentenced on June 12, 1978. So, 365 years behind bars. Well, it'll give him plenty of time to, you know, read the Bible and talk to Jesus. Apparently, he shot the neighbor's dog, the supposed Sam they were referring to, or it was speculated that Sam was Uncle Sam and that Berkowitz was referring to his time in the military seems really unlikely because it didn't seem to be that big of a deal in his life. The military? Right. He made it through, but not well. Well, it, you know, uh, 69 was the Vietnam War, you know, so there was a lot of stuff going on from that. I mean, I know it's this is the 70s, so time has passed. Um, but uh, uh, the outlook of people in the military wasn't nearly as favorable around that time as, you know, it is currently, <laughs> you know. Um, so I know a lot of people who were in the military that were, you know, shunned and looked upon, you know, spat upon. Um, so there was still a little bit of that um, kind of feeling going on as far as, anti-military sentiment so if he already has um, you know any sort of trauma about belonging to a group not belonging to a group wanting to feel like he's fitting in in society um, yeah if he got uh, if he didn't feel like he belonged while he was in the military and then he got out and nobody wanted to be a a friend with him or be associated with him because of his association with it, that could just, you know, cause even more needing to separate. Then that just goes back to who you think David Berkowitz is, because David has an idea of who he claims to be, and the media has an idea of who they claim him to be, investigators, and then again, Maury Terry, you know? Sure. So. And that's the hard part about figuring out the truth, you know, because it's been in su such in the media. Uh, there are movies, there are books, there's uh, written newspaper articles, there's people's testimonies, there's accounts from the victims, there's 
words that he says that there's all these different angles of how to approach these actions and his reasoning for doing it that it's super hard to get to the truth of what actually happened were you in a cult and sit and this dog is telling you what to do and satan was driving you to do it and you're actually a wholesome human being or are you you know a super messed up person who's got a whole bunch of issues that needed to kill some people to get some sort of fulfillment in your life or Mm -hmm. any other number of reasons (laughs) you know right um were you trained in the military to do certain things like this you know like lee harvey oswald or you know so one thing though you said he had he was a marksman right uh from what i had heard he was a decorated marksman so doesn't that kind of lend a little bit more credence to the idea that maybe he didn't pull the trigger in every one of these? Yeah, you think you would have hit somebody, like, right? Yeah, you would have think that if you're a marksman, you would do a little bit better at... Because there's no way his goal was just to, like, shoot them. Like, I'm going to shoot you in the thigh today. Wow, good point. Well, unless... Unless, you know, once again, we don't know. I'm just speculating. That unless his goal was to instill terror and fear and not necessarily murder, in which case he completely succeeded because an entire city locked down because of it. But that to me sounds like that's coming from a cult and not from a one person thing. Right? Like a cult is going to sit down or a group of people is going to sit down like almost like a terrorism thing. We want people to be scared. We want our legacy. Not a one guy who's sitting alone in his room. I don't know. That's just what it feels like to me. Well, the letters that were written and then the story afterward don't coincide. They don't make sense together. So even from himself, he's he's like, oh, I'm full of shit. Here's a bullshit story. Oh, that one's not working out so well. Here's a new bullshit story, you know. So Right. I don't know if they ever diagnosed him as being paranoid schizophrenic or schizophrenic or schizophrenic at all. I believe I had heard that he was labeled you know, I don't I don't think there's a label of sane, but whatever it is of not having any major mental illnesses other than murdering people. That's not a mental illness. <laughs> That's an actual physical illness. You're just a fucked up person. Right. I think they knew he was full of shit. I think that's probably all his folder says. Like, he was <laughs> examined by like six psychiatrists, and all that it says on each one is full of shit. You should send them some of those stickers. <laughs> well, according to history.com, um, it says that uh, uh, his mental condition began to severely deteriorate in 1975, and he would later be diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. Oh, wow. So, once again, take that with what it's worth. Yeah, but was he diagnosed based on his story of the dog, demon? You know, you have to wonder, because I I believe that, you know, you can pull one over on one or two doctors, maybe, but I don't know where, the number eight, I just made that up, and then I thought for real that's what it was, so I don't know how many doctors he saw. History.com also claims uh, that uh, he became an arsonist and set hundreds of fires in New York City without ever being arrested for them. 
So, like, it was supposed to be over 1,400 according to his own log. That's a lot of fires. Yeah. Question, do you think History.com or Wikipedia is more accurate? <laughs> well, I, I, I feel like History.com has a single writer um, of their articles. Ice road truckers. <laughs> <Ice road truckers. laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, but, uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, History.com also has um, stories about uh, how the aliens built the pyramids. So, oh, they do? <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of hard to say. Ancient aliens. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, my dad loves that show. I know we've talked about that before, but he's like, on Friday nights, he's like, oh, I got I to gotta finish up dinner real fast because my alien show's on. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's The Internet is a wonderful and horrible place. Um, it's a lot harder to uh, discern facts from embellishments. Yeah, I think the fact that he pulled the trigger on so many people, or so many people were shot, you know, even if they weren't killed, that it seems because he only had six, I shouldn't say only, because six people were killed, his number seems lower, and which almost makes it seem a little less scarier when you hear about it. Mm Mm-hmm. But he shot, like, seven more people, I think, who lived. Well, I think it was the same kind of fear that was going around when there was a sniper running around Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the fact of it could have it could happen to anybody at any time. That's a good point. You know, and it's like just being out in public meant that you were fair game for mm. whatever. St- statistically improbable. However. Correct. But there's still a chance of it happening. It's the opposite of winning the lottery. Right. Yeah, that's one lottery you don't want to win. It's like the Hunger Games lottery. You don't want to win that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least he's locked up forever. And he can go preach the gospel to... Do you think other prisoners know he's full of shit, too? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, when you're in the eye of the storm, it's... I feel like he's been hit in his head with his own Bible before. I, 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 I don't think Wikipedia talks about that. I can neither confirm nor deny that. He did have his throat cut. He's got a, got a cut on his throat. He's got a big uh, scar from. Did he do that to himself? Who's to say? Probably not. But it's there. <laughs> Seen it on TV. Is it like a Harrison Ford kind of scar? Like on his lip that... Oh, no, it's on his neck. Like, yeah. You know, like All the way across. I th- yeah, I don't know now. Now I need to Google image this, see? Berkowitz's neck scar. Yeah. I need to take a moment to remind you guys that the reason that BTK was caught was because he asked the uh, officer if they could trace his data history on his disk and they said no we can't do that so he sent it in and they immediately went and arrested him because he's an idiot (laughs) hurrah for the police (laughs) i was thinking about that over breakfast (laughs) these are your breakfast thoughts yeah oh my god what do you eat for breakfast eggs (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how i feel about people who 
You know, like slashing the throat of somebody who killed seven, six people. Or pedophiles. Right. I just, I'm just not sure how I feel about it. And then I don't know how I feel about how I feel about it. Oh, that's relatable. Well, I, I think, though, that's one of the reasons why so many people enjoyed the TV show Dexter. It's because right. it's like he had these urges, but he used them to, you know, take care of bad guys. So then it makes it okay, right? Because he's doing bad things for good reason. Right. But it wasn't <laughs> murdering people still not really a good reason. To yeah. So anyway, I think that because of your feelings <laughs> of this is why that show is so popular, and which means... We all have those feelings. Very relatable. You know, it's like, mm. you want justice. You want an eye for an eye and, you know, that kind of thing. And also, I, I could never do something like that. So when somebody else, like, does it for me, I'm like, hmm, I might be okay with that. You're like, low-key high-five. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Low-five. Like, you, sir, are, are getting muffins. <laughs> right. Um. I'm going to go put some food into my face because what I had heard was we are out of time. We will see you next week. Visit our website at wihhw.com where you can sign up for our newsletter, see guest links and information, and some fancy extras. Also, check us out on Facebook at, at what I had heard was and Instagram at what I had heard. And if you really want to get something off your chest, Shoot us an email at what I had heard was at gmail.com.